social media trolls. And the questions that make them meanies. Hi, my name is Mike. And I'm Jen. And we are the Pickers Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This episode, we, like I said, we're going to be talking about social media trolls today. And what prompted it was that Carl was going to be on and we're going to be talking about online scams and how to avoid them, how to look out for them, because they are out there. But he's been feeling under the weather. So Jen came up with the idea of we're part of a Facebook group. And when we when we kind of read through some of the when we see some of the posts, we know that there's going to be some cringy comments in the uh, down below. Cringe inducing. And it's unavoidable. People think that they can hide behind their keyboards and just pick on people. It's horrible. It's rough out there in the Facebook world. Facebook. Facebook group world. Facebook groups. So we're going to be uh, talking about, we got about six, five or six of the questions that we pulled off of Facebook that we're going to be answering. And then we're also going to be kind of talking about the comments. I don't want to dive too deep into them because that would make us trolls ourselves. We're trolling the trolls. And we don't want to do that. So let's jump into the topic or let's jump into the episode. And right now we're going to start off with sales updates. Jen, what do you got? We're having a really good fourth quarter, I feel like. And this week we hit our 200th sale on eBay. So that was pretty exciting news. And then I'm inching one step forward and several back. Uh, every time I have a big listing day, we end up having a big sales day. Um, so I'm trying to get us closer to that 500 active listings point, but um, I still have not reached it yet. Um, but I'm going to keep trying. And we had a couple of really good sales this week, Mike. Um, one, we sold three Tupperware Tupper toys in one transaction. I knew those were going to be good, but yeah, I it's of course. They were slow to go. And I, as we inched towards this week and we hadn't really sold very many of them, I was thinking, well, maybe people aren't wanting this for Christmas. Um, but we did end up selling three all in one transaction. And that gave us a profit of $84.77 on three toys after all the fees and everything so nice that seems pretty good and then at the very last minute today uh, we had a shopper buy like a red colored veggie tray that you would use at like a christmas party and after all of the fees and everything and i upgraded them to priority shipping because tomorrow is the last day um for priority shipping to receive your items before christmas and it did stand a chance that they would maybe like to have that for the holiday um the difference was only like a dollar or so more and the amount that they paid for shipping covered it. So we made $44.45 profit on that. So you're giving away good customer service, but you're giving away our profits. <laughs> a dollar or so. But I think if you put profits before people, you're maybe making a big mistake. <laughs> maybe that's why this business is so successful because you have one mindset and I have another. Yeah. Yeah, we, maybe we have all of the mindsets covered together. Alternating mindsets. I love it. Uh, and that goes back to our episode last week about the holiday, getting the holiday listings and how to do get holiday profits. So that was a hostess and it was a gift. I love those sales. So mine are a little bit different. So at an estate sale, I bought a bunch of reloading parts for guns or reloading ammo. And bought it off of, uh, they were all new and packaged still. So we got a pretty good deal on them and we averaged about $5 profit on each one. So it was pretty easy because we're already there making or picking up a lot of stuff. And those, we noticed that they were new in the bag. 
So it wasn't like we drove anywhere. We didn't spend any gas money. We were already shopping. We picked up a quite a few things that made us quite a bit of profit on that sale. Like those, those coveralls were brand new. We made a good profit on those. A lot of them were multiples as well, which, you know, when you're talking about that $5 profit, like price point, I don't so much mind it if I have eight of those to sell. Like the listing doesn't take me any longer to make one for multiples. And so a lot of those, I'm really going to miss those reloading parts and those um, shooting pieces because I think we're at the tail end of, of what we have left of those. Not not much. And I'm pretty sure that you rolled your eyes when I picked those up. Buy them too. Just because I had to educate myself on what they were. Um, they made for complicating complicated listing material because um, anytime I don't know what something is and then I have to spend extra time to get it relisted. But thankfully these ended up with a little barcode on them um, so it was a little easier than I had imagined when we were standing there at the estate sale. (laughs) I noticed the pile of I don't know what these are are getting bigger and bigger in my office for me to, to list for you. I know. I have a pile in the garage as well that I'm certain that there will be some shining moment where I will understand what they are. I feel like every week I bring a, a like a group of Tupperware in, and every week I am I have to take a I have to take a handful back out because I'm missing a component. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, or there's like a piece that I think makes the set complete, or I simply cannot figure out what. It is. Oh, really? Even with the Tupperware, you can't figure out what some of it is? It's been fewer and far between with the Tupperware than the, like, the man things that you were picking. Um, But, yeah, every week I have kind of, like, just this one little oddball mystery thing where I'm like, one day I'm going to have a box of these. But I keep thinking that as I continue to list and review posts that maybe, just maybe, I'll have, like, some aha moments one day. So... So what you're saying is if we went and organized all that Tupperware and put them on shelves or something like that, that you might be able to find all those pieces that you're missing. I don't know. I think the, the strategy is working out this far. I'm, I'm committed to my strategy. I think it's fine. For now. Fair enough. And if any of our listeners out there have a storage unit full of vintage Tupperware, we would love to take it off your hands for you because we're going to run out and Jen has absolutely loved Becoming a Tupperware expert. I have, actually. It's been really enjoyable to just singularly focus on the products that they made from the 70s through the early 2000s. And um, now also we have quite a lot of of listings and also sold and active where if I had another set of the same products, like, you know, just posting them, it would be that much easier. So um, it sure would be nice if anybody has an, uh, you know, an extra storage container full of Tupperware, give us a, give us a message. We'd love to talk to you about that. Yep. That's great. And we are running up on, let me look at the notes real quick. I had them before. I was looking at it before, but I forgot the number already. We are up to... 700 no we're up to 626 listings of tupperware yeah yeah so i know i'm trying i'm trying so hard to get to 500 active but every time i make a big push we have a big push of them that get sold and so um i feel like i take several steps forward and pull back yeah you want to you want to keep an eye on that though also because our store only allows a thousand before we start paying insertion fees 
So if we have 600 listings and then 500 of them renew, that's 1,100 listings. So we're going to have to pay 100 extra insertion fees. Well, your student will be taking some time off anyhow, so maybe it'll just work out perfect. That's right. But the reason why I bring up that 626 is because, like, we've, we'll talk about the end. We were only supposed to have 500 pieces of Tupperware, and we've well over done well over that. Well over the 500, so I'm super excited about that. I gotta, I gotta call Knowlton and update him on that too. I'm sure he'd love to hear it. He might. All right, so moving on to the topic, we're discussing, we're answering some questions from the Facebook reselling groups, and we're taking some of the ones that we thought that we could answer, we could handle them, and also that just uh, to show you over that kind of the trolls that are on Facebook when they're answering them. So the first one was. This person said, "My made my first wrong item shipped mistake and shipped an item that was two times the price as the one ordered. How do I go about remedying the situation? I definitely need the item back. Lol. <laughs> LOL. Person isn't happy and wants original item before Christmas, which I totally get. What do you all recommend? So in first reading this post, this person seems nice. They legitimately made a mistake. They're asking an honest question. It's not like... It's not like it's a a beginner yeah. question. It's like a, you, they've been listening for a while and just mixed something up. Simple, simple question to ask. And the comments on this one weren't pretty bad. But what I was, what I liked about this one was this was actually opposite of trolls. These these comments were actually really helpful to this person and gave them per, some pretty sound advice. But first, what would be your answer to this situation? What would I do? Um, I think. Well, you actually had a similar mistake very early on in the game. You shipped something to somebody that was the wrong item. Yes. Um, now, this person says that the item, I think they imply by needing to get the item back that it is an expensive item. And I know that that is subjective. So, you know, where we are putting in one or two dollars into like per item for our inventory, I suppose. Um, people could be spending a lot more. And so I want to factor that in to um, my response for them. I think, um, one, I would immediately ship the right product out, just instantly get it out the fastest way that I could. Um, if, if it genuinely is um, my mistake, then we should make it right as soon as possible. And I am in the camp that like a mistake isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just a learning opportunity. And sometimes I think that it a mistake should cost you something. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily have to be financially, um, but I think mistakes should cost us something because I think that's what helps us learn from making mistakes. And so if that's a little bit of money, then um, you're probably more likely to slow down and, you know, feel the re repercussions of that mistake. You know, moving forward, you maybe make fewer mistakes of that nature. Um, so I would expedite their shipping out on the item that they wanted and then I would try to do everything in my power to help the person send back the item. And that would probably be emailing them the mailing label that I generated um, for them to pack it up and, and send it back out, back to me. So um, eating the cost of that as well. I don't think that the person who's buying it should have to pay for any portion of fixing the mistake that you made. Um, so that's, you know, that's where I'm at on this scenario um, in a, in the event that the item really is worth the cost of that return label. Um, for us, 
It probably wouldn't be. Um, by and large, I probably am just going to profusely apologize, hope that they don't leave bad feedback and not worry about having them go through the hassle of making a return because um, for some people, that would be very inconvenient um, to have to go to the post office or arrange a pickup of some sort. So um, I try to factor in that not everyone's life is like ours. We live super close to a post office and that's like easy and no big deal for me. Um, but, you know, for people who live in a big city, maybe not so much. So I guess it just depends. Yeah. I wonder, this person says that shipped out an item that was that was two times than the one ordered I don't. I think they mean the cost, two times the price as the one ordered. Right. Like so expensive item. I wonder cool. if they went and pulled, went to pull the inventory and pulled the wrong one and shipped the wrong thing. Yeah. Kind of what I'm getting that happened I there. I don't think it was like they were shipping two things out and they mixed up labels like I did. I think it was that they pulled the wrong item, which means just my advice is just slow down. Yeah. Slow I, down. I definitely put. Um, some quality control steps in um, when we're handling multiple shipments or we have like a lot of them to process. Um, our printer prints um, two labels per sheet of paper. And so I typically am processing them to wait. What, what you're, you mean that we are printing on with printer ink? We're not doing thermal labels. <laughs> I mean, maybe one day we'll upgrade. People are going to crucify us. We're using an old school printer. We're starting up a business. Um, you have to do what's most economical. And we got this printer actually, I believe, at a yard sale. Did we not? Paid 20 bucks for it. We had purchased one from Costco, hadn't taken it out of the box, and then we found one for $20. And um, I said, hey, why don't we take this brand new one back to Costco, keep our money, invest in something else, and um, use this printer for the time being. So, yes, we are. We're wasting money on sticker labels and on, you know, ink. Yeah. Um, eventually, we'll probably switch that over. But I do, uh, you know, I very slowly process through them. I might pull them all for shipping. But as I'm making the labels, um, I'm paying attention to which item goes in which box. I'm double checking the label to the screen. I'm double checking, like, if it has a part number or like those reloading equipments. I'm like holding the thing up to the screen to make sure like I've the right one from the right container i also put them in strategically in different containers so that it would be sort of um harder for me to pull the wrong thing like, that's genius well when we had all of those garrison um uh they were they were hurts for something that i i didn't understand why we were we were let's see them but uh they were very similar and I sorted them out, and then I put them all in, 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 we had multiples of them, and I put them in different containers um, so that when we went to go pull them, there would be very little chance that I could get that wrong. But still, I double-check it, you know, just to make sure that nothing has happened. Um, so, you know, you have to do put stop gaps in where you think you might make mistakes to try and prevent yourself from from making these costly errors. I. I know that one day it's going to happen, but I've processed a, literally close to 200 um, of these and I haven't had any yet. And I think it's because I'm very, very careful um, and I, I take things nice and slow and I just try to make sure that I'm doing it with excellence. So, yeah. Slow down. Slow down. That's what Ali said. All right. So great answer. I think you covered most of the bases on that one. Hard. 
All right, so the next one is, can you make a claim on a broken item if it was sent through UPS Ground Advantage? I have tried and it says not eligible. So is it only insured if it's priority? Question mark. I speculate that this person was probably in a different country um, I, where the where the things go through USPS to um, other countries through that sorting center. They handle breakage and things differently um you do have a hundred dollars worth of insurance on your product through ground advantage one thing that i noticed um at one point i tried to buy extra insurance for something uh and they wouldn't let me because they would only let me insure it for the amount that i sold it for um which felt oh i was a little like it was worth more than what we sold it for. Like we we took a deal um, on it. And if something happened, I had hoped that maybe the actual cost of it could be covered. But um, they will only let you buy the amount of insurance to cover the amount that you sold the item for. They are saying that that is what that item is worth. Right. Um, so you just open up a claim and send in the receipt. We actually haven't had to do that yet um, or instruct anyone to do that yet. So... I've received a lot of um, feedback about our packaging and how good that is. And so I think my advice to you would be if you are getting a lot of these, you need to to strategically train yourself to become a better packer of items. Um, you can find all kinds of education on the Internet about that. If that is not a thing that comes just easily to you, um, you should be able to remedy that. You really shouldn't be having too many things get broken we've we've shipped hundreds of things and none of them have arrived broken so yep that's perfect advice that's kind of weird that they want to give you over the cost that we sold it for for insurance that's what they're saying that its value is if that's what you've sold it for then that's what its value is for them to cut you a check so that's that's kind of seller beware you know those good information so another thing that you do is when anybody says that you can open a claim when you open a claim and then you send in the receipt of the product for, there's always a place. I don't, I can't speak for other countries like Jen was talking about, but there's always a place to open a claim. And like they, like Jen was saying, ground advantage and priority. I can't say priority with confidence. Ground advantage comes with a hundred dollars insurance. So yeah, priority does as well. Um, it just says that it's not eligible. So I think I would probably have to call eBay and find out why it's not eligible. Like, what, what about it makes it not eligible? That wasn't eBay. That was um, USPS, that they called. Well, then call then. Call USPS. That's <laughs> right. Or, or not be bothered. If, if you don't want to make a phone call, then it probably wasn't worth it, I guess. Right. <laughs> all right. So this next one I knew was going to have trolls all over it. And Ugh. it kind of goes with starting up a new eBay business. I don't know. I wasn't so guilty of this, but I definitely didn't do enough research when I started. But I wasn't, I didn't ask this question on social media because I knew, let me start that over. Let me take a drink real quick, hold on. So this next question I knew was going to be cringeworthy when I read it, when I read the thing. I knew I was going to have a ton of comments on it, I didn't know this when I started and you chalk this up to this is a very new eBayer and she just didn't do her research before she posted a comment like this. 
to be honest with you, I didn't know about the fees for, I don't know, for, for a while. I'd made a couple of listings in the beginning, but I knew that eBay took a certain amount of money out, but I didn't know what the details of the fees were. Now I do. I've got a really good understanding of it. And it's, yeah, I know. <laughs> I take, they take about half. If you're, if you're wondering, all in all, I take about half of your money. It's a lot. But. So this one was, does eBay take a portion of your money if you sell an item that's about 18, over over a thousand bucks, over $1,500? The comments were horrible to this person. Really mean. Why do people <laughs> need to be so mean to people? That is insane. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it ranged from bad advice to wrong advice. And then it just ranged... Then people were just hurtful, just plain out hurtful. Yeah. This is one of those ones that would make me, I've seen a few that are absolutely just like cringe inducing. Yes. And it, I feel like if if I had a question, it would be the very last place that I would go to get the answer. I would do nearly anything under the sun to not ask a question in these forums just because people are so mean. Um, there's just no need for it. <laughs> yep. I am part of a discord group that I did have my newbie questions when I first started and I went into it and I asked them some of the questions. Probably the cringe worthy one for me was I asked the advice of, do you do uh, free shipping or paid shipping? And that that's like newbie question 101 and everybody's going to have a different answer. There, there is no right answer for that one. It's all subjective. Some of these, you just have to make up your mind for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. But those are the questions that you have. And I had the same question that this was talking about because this person sold this item for over a thousand bucks and they took 200 or $250 in fees. And they were like, oh my gosh, does this happen all the time? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shorter answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Averaging at about 13 and a half percent and then. You know, it depends on how you're doing the shipping, for sure, if you're paying for that or if they're paying for it. And then, you know, if you have promoted your item, there's a percentage that goes along with that as well, in addition to it all. And we do promote our items pretty aggressively, but we get a lot of sales. Uh, so, so you know, you have about 13.5% that's going to happen on average that's coming out. Plus the shipping label, depending on whether or not you're paying for that or they're paying for it. And then that promoted percentage. And you're choosing that when you're setting up your listing. And we we pretty heavily promote our items and we get a lot of sales from promoted from promoted listings. So I, it's worth it. But yes, it is a, it is a lot of money <laughs> that they take. So that's interesting. On the Tupperware, are you doing eBay suggested? Promoted? Yes. So almost always. What are they looking at? Like nine, nine percent. Yeah, all the way up to maybe eleven or twelve, I think, even on some things. Depend. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe. If you want a kind of understanding of what your eBay fees are gonna be, you can you can look at it like you know thirteen and a half percent. So if you wanna just round down to thirteen to ten percent, so you take the price that you're selling it and take ten percent of that. That's the that's about the eBay fee. It's going to be a little bit more than that because it's thirteen point five percent, or r- roughly around there. It depends on what category you're you're listing that in, and then you just take your promoted listing. So if you're always doing ten percent, so now you're going to add 
your 10% promoted and your 10% for the average eBay fee. So that's 20%. So now you're going to have to do your sell price and add 20% or take 20% of that. And that's going to be what eBay is going to take fees out of. Yeah. Price accordingly. Price accordingly. Yeah. If you think it's too, if it dig, if you think it's too much, do like they do on free shipping and just bump up your price. But you know what that's going to do is that's going to make you a higher priced item on the listings and people are looking for the lower priced items. And really, if it's too much, you just need to look at an alternative way of selling it. There have been a small handful of items that after I've looked to see what is available for sale on eBay, what people are pricing it at, what the sale through rate of it is going to be, I can't recommend listing it you know it's just probably not the best place to sell it uh, you can't make a lot of money on a a listing for two two dollars and 99 cents you know uh, they're gonna take a chunk of your 299 yeah, no and then you really need to like question what what your time is worth and so those items there there haven't been too many but a few and they just go into a yard sale you know especially if they're damaged or they're scratched or you know, there's a little something wrong with them. It's just not worth doing it on eBay. You can sell it another way. 10% of $3 is only $0.03. Cents, so it's not a big shock. But it's not going to be just that because you got to promote it and you, you know. Okay, now we're up to $0.06 cents that they're taking out. Yeah, it's just it it's gets a few things just end up being like not worth it. So, yep. you know, don't be disheartened if you find an item that, as it turns out, it just isn't worth it to sell it on eBay. That's okay. You can just save it for your yard sale or donate it. Or use it as a bumper listing to bump up your reviews and things like that. And I'm not 100%. This will be the the first year where I really dive into the taxes, but I'm pretty sure. I know shipping label costs are tax deductible, and I want to say that eBay's fees are it makes sense that they're tax deductible too. Oh, I don't know. I don't think we should speak to that yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know this isn't this isn't the tax advice channel, but no. <laughs> we're going to be running into that this year and we're doing our own taxes. So we will have those answers for you and we'll we'll have a whole tax episode for you. Jen would love it. No. <laughs> we're not because we're not tax tax professionals. Yeah. And we're not the best people to give tax advice. So. No, and we definitely will not be doing um, tax advice, I don't think. But yes, get, keep good record of, of all of your transactions and your your things that you're buying. We might be able to do a pretty good episode on tax deductions. Though. Yeah, maybe. I mean, those are pretty clear cut on the websites, on IRS, IRS website. Yes, it's any tax preparation software should clearly lead you through what is acceptable and what isn't. And I probably recommend that if it feels gray, you just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just be black and white, man. Don't be gray. That's just, the, you don't. you're just asking for trouble. But, you know, and that brings up a good point. I was looking at our spreadsheet and I don't, I, you didn't put the the retail price or the price of the items in our spreadsheet. You just like inventoried them. But I was going to, I was going to do an, a quick summary of, what everything was so we know how much inventory we have like oh do you mean like that uh, the amount that i listed it for? yeah oh no we didn't record that a listed amount because that that's going to be a question that's asked on tax forms is like what how much is your how much inventory do you have what's the cost of it well but the cost of it is the amount we spent on it not what we listed it for 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, that's true. There is the cost that we bought it for. Uh, that's I want to say that they actually asked for how much in value inventory we have. Oh. Yeah. I, and I think that should be pretty easy to pull off the sellers. Oh, very easy. eBay. That, that won't be a problem. In fact, that probably just comes in the tax forms that they prepare and send to you. eBay is not going to prepare a tax form for us. That six hundred. Do something. No, that six hundred dollars doesn't start until. Well, they they canceled after twenty twenty four. They're thinking about twenty twenty five, but even then, regardless of the fact of however much money you make, if it's even under six hundred bucks, you have to report that. Oh yes, I'm not. Even if that. eBay doesn't send you a ten ninety nine, you have to report your income. There's downloadable forms though, but I think we've swayed really far off topic. You might want to just chop all of this tax business out. Um, I love tax talk, uh, and it's not on topic. Sure it is. We've beard way. Trolls. We're talking about trolls. The IRS rolls into the trolls. <laughs> really easy. If you're an auditor though, you guys are wonderful. I'm not calling you the troll. Oh uh, yes, please don't audit us. <laughs> don't audit us. But we right. have well-maintained forms. <laughs> we do have well-maintained records, that's for sure. Then the next question on the forum that we pulled for you all is, there was a customer that had purchased several breakable items and then demanded combined shipping after the fact. And due to the fragile nature of the items that were purchased, the seller just simply wasn't comfortable putting that many fragile items into one box. And they were upset that the buyer didn't ask prior to purchasing. The responses in the forum were all over the place. They were pretty cringeworthy um, from that the person should just outright cancel all of the orders, which I thought is, that's ridiculous advice. Definitely don't do that. Um, and then to tell them no, uh, that they aren't willing to do that, I, I also don't recommend that. And some see people said to box the things individually and then place those boxes inside of one big box and refund the difference on the pricing. And that is exactly what I probably would recommend um, that you do, because if you've packaged one fragile item well in one box and you would feel comfortable shipping it out, then if you put all of those boxes into one big box and stuffed a little something to make up the, you know, the space difference, then it should be even better than sending it out individually and you have given your buyer more value uh, from you and maybe they'll turn into a repeat buyer as well if you do them the honor of a little refund on the cost of the shipping so become a better packager is my it's my better that, answer that would do, depend on how heavy it was going to be if i was going to lose a ton of money on the, ad, the addition to the weight of the boxes well but you're not the person already paid for all of the shipping on each individual order They've paid more than enough to get it shipped properly. And it would be less money if combined. It doesn't really matter how. I mean, you would be getting into a very, very large box situation. So yep. I guess there is potential for that to, to not go well. And then you just explain, like, that's not in your best interest or mine. But by and large, combining the items into one box is going to yield a lower you might only be giving them a few dollars back, but hey, a couple dollars back might make them very happy. Yeah. You know? So I agree with that. I, if somebody demands something from me, though, that's the quickest way to lose my respect, and I'm probably going to block them. Yeah, I might not want to do business with them next time. Uh, well, I don't sorry. think I'd want to do business with them this time because if they're demanding, and then something's wrong with this order, 
If it doesn't go flawlessly perfect, then they're going to be oh, the whole other nightmare to deal with on their backside. They could be. They could be. be bad. But if you do your job well, package the item up well, then it should go well. It, should, it shouldn't should be a problem. If you're an Amazon packager, then it's going to go great for you. <laughs> what do you do when a buyer states that they did not receive the product that you sent to them? You have the tracking address and everything. This is another question on Facebook. Well, you can go to your order details and provide proof of delivery with the tracking info. They're going to have the tracking info also. They should be able to see that for themselves. Again, it's not your responsibility once it gets scanned in at the post office or UPS or FedEx or wherever you dropped it off. It becomes their responsibility. So you're going to have to direct them to call the post office to try and figure out, you know, like what happened with it. And that is unfortunate. We had one time where the person said I it says it was delivered and I didn't get it and I thought oh no it's happened <laughs> um and I thought oh oh boy okay what are we gonna do we'll try to make it right you know try to help you but in the process of doing that they said oh just kidding my roommate had it all along like they thought the box was theirs and I heaved a great big sigh of relief <laughs> that we did not have a package that had been stolen from somebody because that does happen uh that's hard and i don't think that our buyers are probably going to be very sympathetic to their product getting stolen not being our fault but it really isn't our fault <laughs> yeah and i kind of picked this question just because of that because we have experienced that and i know that we had that conversation where like you were wanting to call the post office you want to do a lot more than what was our responsibility to do like you said, once we ship that item, that that is the end of our responsibility. We have no zero control over porch pirates, over the mail lady, over UPS, over anybody. You as a seller do not have control over that. The most that you can do and the most that you should do as a reseller, and that's kind of subjective too. If you want to go further than that, feel free to, but you will wear yourself out really quick being a reseller. If you, if you're trying to do above and beyond all the time, not saying that that's not a good idea once in a while, but if you just send them, like you said, the tracking order info and all that kind of stuff, then that's good to go. And if they do open a claim against you on eBay, you have the tracking order number and you have where it showed received and what address it was sent to. So you did everything exactly right. eBay almost made this foolproof for resellers to send stuff to you. So it's up to you if you want to go above and beyond, but as of for us, the way that we like to run our store, once we send it out, that's it. We can't control anything else. And almost all, it's not even like we would have an, a very few circumstances. We would have another one on hand that we could even send out. So yeah, it's, I mean, we're not a normal retail store i mean what we don't have multiple things what do some people want you to, to go do go look around their neighborhood and see if it was delivered to well i think they want you to be amazon they want you to just send another one they want you to make it right or they will leave you bad feedback and that is probably what will happen and you will probably have to take quite a bit of your time um that's why i'm like it could be good if if there is a way to make it right you could try because it will end up costing you a lot of your time to try to get 
the feedback and stuff removed. You're probably going to be on the phone with eBay if you can get a hold of anyone at all for quite some time. And so if it was only just a couple of dollars, I might go that route. But I mean, often there's literally going to be nothing that I can do about it if it gets stolen. So that's hard. Amazon made... Uh, Amazon, what would you call it? Amazon... Customer service. They're, they just... They just give you another one, like, just send it out. <laughs> Amazon made unrealistic expectations from resellers on eBay, you know, giving that kind of product. And we benefit from it because they're a large corporation and they can do stuff like that, but we can't do that as resellers. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't be losing money because a porch pirate stole something off somebody's porch. I'm sorry that with that's happened to you. Yeah. All right, that's about it for our trolls episode. Hopefully, we want to answer these questions and not be trolls ourselves. So hopefully, we gave some pretty good answers. I think we did all right. <laughs> right, we didn't hurt anybody's feelings. Always hurts me when I see those troll app, those troll comments. Golly. All right, so if you if you enjoy our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you'd go over and give us a five star review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any questions or you want to just reach out to us and say hi and see what's going on, ask us any questions. You can find us at Pickers Podcast at most social media outlets. And then you can also email us, uh, not at Pickers Podcast, but pickerspodcast at gmail.com. All right. So the ending of our episode, we are coming up with the Tupperware updates. Are you excited? There is no response to that. Yes. All right. Yes. I Well, if there's that kind of response from a host, then I think we need to take the Tupperware update out of the episode because our, our listeners are probably like cringing right now every time we do this. I was thinking about dinner, Mike. It's starting to smell really good. Oh, I gotcha. All right. Sounds good. All right. So if you haven't been following us, we have... We bought a, a storage unit full of Tupperware for $1,000. Cost us $900 to go get it. So that came to a, a net cost or a, a cost of nineteen hundred dollars for the Tupperware. We thought that there was five hundred pieces in there, but it turns out that there's more than five hundred pieces, which averaged it out to about two dollars a piece on the Tupperware. And so so far, we have sold two thousand nine hundred and twenty-two dollars and twenty-one cents worth of Tupperware. <laughs> that's profit. That's our profit. That's a uh, that's so that's a net after all the eBay's fees. That's up from $646.76 from last episode. That comes out to, we finally broke the $1,000 profit more. Yeah, $1,022.21 of profit on our Tupperware. So fun. I love it. What are we going to do with the $1,000 profit? What are we going to do with it? I don't know. Buy more boxes. Celebrate. Go right up. Go over to uh, Bubble Boy, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. We just Bubble Wrap. All right. So that equates to we had 177 listings. We've sold 177 lift listings of Tupperware so far. And that comes up. Our average net profit increased again to $16.50 now per sale. Wonderful. Very cool. So $16.50 when we bought it for $2. That's great. That's pretty cool. It's fantastic. We think we bought it for $2. We'll find out when we're all done. <laughs> we'll find out. Definitely will. All right. And we are coming up on trivia. <laughs> this trivia is social media troll trivia. Oh, no. You ready for some questions, Jen? 
Sure, Mike. On social media trolls? I would love to answer your troll questions. All right, Jen. The first one, what's the best way to respond to a social media troll? Is it A, challenge them to a dance-off? Is it <laughs> is it B, engage in a pun war? Tempting. Is it Or is it C, post pictures of cute puppies? Oh, I love puppies. <laughs> I think you definitely go with C. C? <laughs> yeah. Both puppies. The answer was actually all of the above. Any one of those would have worked. But I like the puppy answers too. Yeah. I think puppies best. Yeah. I like puppies too. All right. Question number two. How do you confuse a social media troll? Is it A, agree with everything they say? Is it B, speak in emojis only? <laughs> I like that one too. <laughs> or is it C, start quoting Shakespeare? Shakespeare, so that one wouldn't work out very well for me. Uh, I think it would be really fun to just respond to only in emojis. I think that is genius. Nice. <laughs> Let's go with that one. I like that. Well, it was uh, it was actually their recommendation is to mix them all up. So use uh, emojis one time, use a little... Use a little Shakespeare the next time and then agree with everything they say. Okay. I'll note that. <laughs> and I may or may not be a person that will engage in trolls online from time to time just to hear the responses. Don't. Yes. Oh. They don't need to be that mean. It's okay for me to engage with them if they're that mean. So I think I'm going to do some of the emojis the next time. I think that's fine. Why not? Oh, geez. All right. I'm going to get in trouble with that. All right, so number three, what's a troll's least favorite song? Oh, what? No multiple choice. What's a troll's least favorite yeah. song? Troll's least favorite song? No, it's Frozen or it's Let It Go from Frozen. Trolls hate it when you stay cool and and let their negativity slide right off you. All right, so you got two out of three. That wasn't bad. I think you win. You win trivia for this week. I mean, can't touch this. It's kind of funny too, though. That was was pretty good. It's best I could come up with on the plot. I think these are all kind of subjective anyways, so. All right, fellow pickers, go find your treasures one story at a time. And remember, it's not reselling. If you're being a troll on social media. Don't be a troll. <laughs>